Oregon and Utah are playing the game of the week in the Pac-12 and in all of college football. Pressure's on for both sides. There's just a little bit more on Oregon, though. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for a Locked On crossover edition of Locked On Ducks and Locked On Utes. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. That is JT Wissershill of the Locked On Utes podcast. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks or the Utes. If you're over on that particular feed, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the app. Create an account. Use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And that word that I slurred together is app. Download the app. Create an account. Use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Let's hop right into it, JT. The reason I think there is just a bit more pressure on Oregon here is that Cam Rising is not currently available, and I think that for Oregon, this would be a very frustrating and season derailing loss, and for Utah. It would be season derailing, but in more of a disappointed loss sort of way than in a bad loss sort of way. I think you're absolutely right. The more I think about it, I mean, if Utah loses this game, I think the, especially if it was to be a bad game, or even if it just came down to like Bryson and he wasn't able to get it done, this would be you'd look at it and go, "What if? What if this Utah team was at full strength? Oregon, they're operating very well right now. They're a top ten team for a reason." And I just even like, look, if you do look at it from both sides perspective, is it worse for, I know Utah's home winning record and all that, but that Cam Rising's played a huge role in that last couple of seasons. It hasn't been with a backup quarterback that Utah has been able to beat a top 10 team that they're going to be facing now against Oregon. Yes, they beat UCLA already this season, but look, it's going to be just take everything for Utah to win this game. It's one I think they can win, but it's not a bad loss. If you're Utah and say, oh, you lost to Bo Nix and Oregon, a legit team that still has college football playoff aspirations, and they also have Pac-12 contender. And Utah still in the race to get to the Pac-12 championship game. But I think we can also say it's going to be very hard to do that when you still have a game at Washington. And I just don't see this being the year where a two-loss team gets in, especially one that doesn't have a tie. Now, if Utah was to somehow have a tiebreaker over like Oregon and Washington, then they'd have a chance. But it would be so much worse of a loss for Oregon to say we lost to a backup quarterback in in Utah's house, especially with how the game played out last time that Oregon made their way down to Rice-Eccles Stadium. I And there's still some players left from that team. So I think they'll be fired up and ready to go in this one. And uh, it's going to be a great game, but it will be more of a disappointing loss for Oregon because they're pretty much at full strength. Yeah, and I do feel good about the Ducks in this spot, just to give you a quick preview of our predictions, which are, are coming later in the show. But you talked about Oregon being closer to full strength than Utah. That's unquestionably, too. This is still going to be a really good, challenging football game for the Ducks to ultimately win. Utah has not lost with fans in the stands at Rice-Eccles since 2018. What is it up to now? 33 consecutive games? Something close to that. And I even saw, I think it was Josh Newman of a KSL.com contributor even tweet out about a reminder, like even the loss they had in 2020, there was a bunch of guys who couldn't play in the game because of COVID. Yeah, so even exactly. that's kind of a weird one in that. Is, yeah, that's why it doesn't count. Nothing, and that, and the nothing about the 2020 the season is relevant. Nothing about it, it, the 2020 it, season is yeah, relevant. Yeah. Utah has not lost a home game since 2018 for any sort of football that anybody actually cares about. Because what even was the, the 2020 season? And the home field advantage is 
is really, really tough. But one reason, JT, I feel good about the Ducks in this spot is, yes, the home crowd is going to be on fire. They'll have been riled up for game day. It'll go game day. They'll transition right over to the stadium. The energy is going to be immaculate in Salt Lake City. There is no doubt about that. Here's where I feel good about the Ducks, and I want your thoughts on this. Oregon has played in two supremely hostile environments this year at Washington. If not for, if they just picked up one fourth down, they win the football game. At Texas Tech, they were able to scrap and claw and fight their way for a 38 to 31 win. Bo Nix is the key here. Bo Nix and those two true road starts in Pac 12 play where you have actually hostile environments against at least decent football teams has gone for over 300 in both games and has not turned the football over in either of those contests. This is the most experienced quarterback in the history of college football. Nobody <laughs> else has started more games than Bo Nix and the great neutralizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, okay, you can't neutralize it entirely because I expect Oregon to have some false starts in this game. But that Utah crowd is not going to rattle Bo Nix the way they could a Dante Moore or insert another you know young less experienced quarterback uh, across the Pac-12 or across the country even at Graham Mertz for instance best quarterback that will have come to Rice Eccles Stadium to play and I agree with what you're saying he's played in hostile environments I mean his first start of his career was against Oregon at AT AT&T Stadium so that place was already a ruckus environment and ever since then he's gone on to now do what he's done with the Ducks I think he's legit Heisman contender and I do think, yes, the fall starts. I do think a couple of will happen. I think there's going to be some miscues because it could be some issues in blitz pickup, all those kind of things that just tend to happen to teams inside Rice Eccles Stadium because whenever it gets loud. And also the altitude thing is a thing we've seen affect teams time and time again. It's part of the reason that Utah playing at the Utes is just such a challenging task. But Bonick should play pretty well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't have an interception, maybe got strip sacked one time because even strip sacks are more so on the offensive line getting beat, which Jonah Ellis is a really good pass rusher. He's capable of getting home. And then when you look in the secondary, Utah does have playmakers. Cole Bishops and Maya Vaughn coming off a really strong game too. So I think it's possible for Utah to still pick off Bonix, but by no means do I expect... If we go back to the UCLA game, I mean, like the domination that they had over Dante Moore to the point you said is is not going to happen here. Oregon should move the ball. And it's not because, oh, this Utah defense, even though they're so high ranked, they're not as good. No, 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 no. This is best on best, in my opinion. The Oregon offense versus the Utah defense, two of the best units at both of those respective sides of the ball in the conference and in college football in general. So I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. I do not expect Oregon to walk into Rice Eccles Stadium and throw up 40. They're capable of that. I'm not going to fall out of my chair if it happens, but this Utah defense, I think, is capable of forcing some three and outs, some drives that stall. But Oregon's going to finish drives too. That's what's going to make this game so much fun. And I bet there's going to be a lot of NFL scouts in attendance too, Spencer, because if I was an NFL evaluator, I would want to see how Bo Nix is going to do against a lot of guys on this Utah defense who are also going to be playing on Sundays in the near future. Yeah, like Jonah Ellis, uh, for instance, among them. Most notably, they'll be missing Lander Barton, though, from that run defense that has been, I mean, just gaudy this year, frankly, for for the Utes. (laughs) It has been the strongest element of of their run defense. And uh, we've got plenty of matchups to break down, but I'm curious as to that one, JT, and kind of the, the counter that Oregon might come with. The Ducks offense this year, their best trait has been their balance. They can run the football really well, 227 yards a game. Bo Nix throws it very well in in the 300 range. I have to double-check the exact number, but it's not uncommon for him to go over 300 yards. So how do you see this Utah defense holding up against 
the best rushing attack statistically they have faced all season, and then countering that with with a quarterback at Bo Nix who can hurt you on the or in the air or on the ground. I think it's going to be a great matchup. That's where it helps that Utah does have so many elite players that will Utah pad the box maybe a little bit. I mean, Cole Bishop's going to play in the box just because he's such a good, he's so good close to the line of scrimmage. You're going to see him down there a fair amount, but I also think you'll see him bail out on third and longs and play coverage as he does helping out on the back end. So I, I do think Utah is going, should be able to hold up well against the run with only four. Yes, they didn't get off to a great start against USC and everyone loves to blast Lincoln Riley for getting away from the run. They did try to run it a few other times in that game. It just got them in a lot of second and long situations because the Utah run defense really did round in the form so that's why i think a lot of people aren't giving this utah defense enough credit for early on like oh they got gashed by the trojans and then it was lincoln riley's fault no it was utah still doing a lot of things including forcing a fumble in that game that really helped turn things around for utah in the eventual victory against the trojans so i do think utah defensive line is going to be able to win up front i think the linebackers are still going to execute losing lander barton hurts Really helps when you have a guy like Leavani Damuni as the kind of the third guy who's already played a ton this season. This guy who's done a lot of great things at Stanford, been really good so far this year for Utah. So I expect him to step in and do well instantly. And Utah, look, as much as they've given up a couple big plays on the season, their defense always responds. And they've also forced numerous coverage sacks. So I do think this is a good secondary as well. And once again, I just go back to best on best. I think that Utah defense is going to force some three and outs, and they're going to be times where Bonix has nowhere to go. We'll see if he can tuck it and run it and get the first down, or if a guy like Cole Bishop or a Levi Demuni that we mentioned is going to be able to meet him before he's able to reach the sticks. But yeah, we're going to see guys on each side. So Troy Franklin's going to make a big play. Bucky Irving will get loose for a run or two because great players are going to make plays at the collegiate level like that. And I do think that it's going to be fun to watch both sides go at it and just see who makes enough plays on the other side. Is Utah going to win the turnover battle? That's one of the key things to me. Is Oregon going to be able to take care of the ball and not give the Utah offense a short field, which if we're comparing all the units in this game, the Utah offense would probably be the worst one, but they're starting to look a lot better going back from the Cal game to the Trojans. It's a nice progression they're on. Now we'll get to see how they'll do at home. So it's just going to be so much fun to watch these two great teams go at it. Yeah, it will be. And there are a lot of game-changing matchups that are going to play out on the field, just like Athletic Brewing is changing the game with their non-alcoholic brews. They have this wild concept over at Athletic Brewing Company. You ready? Make a non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes good. I know, crazy concept, but their brews are great tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. And they're fit for all times. You can enjoy one anywhere and there are no hangovers ever you can find athletic brews in store online and at bars around the country they're the fastest growing non-alcoholic brewery in the u.s so get on board you can find athletic brewing companies non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com first time customers use code locked on get 15 percent off your first online order that's code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at checkout for 15 percent off at athleticbrewing.com Com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. And you, as a want-to-be attendee of your favorite sporting event or otherwise, can be fit to go to that event if you check out Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying 
tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect before you arrive. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. That is Locked On College, the promo code for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. JT is a wise, wise man. Those watching on YouTube are aware that he has adopted the mindset and the energy of a second segment sip and the importance to deliver a quality podcast podcast, which is what we're doing our very best to do here for you all today. Appreciate everybody being tuned in. So let's talk about some matchups. I think the biggest unit matchup here in this game, JT, Oregon O-line against Utah defensive line. Because that offensive line, I don't think is quite as foundational to what Oregon did a season ago. They've still been very good. Bonix has only been sacked four times all season, and they're running for 227 yards a game. Jordan James and Bucky Irving, not in that order necessarily, but Jordan James is really good too. The backup running back, he's in for Noah Whittington, who's out for the season with an injury. Bucky Irving and and Jordan James have been outstanding because they've had lanes to run through. Their tight ends have been blocking really, really well, Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert. But everything is predicate. You can't have balance offensively if you don't have a good offensive line that can succeed in a multitude of ways. I think if Oregon wins that line of scrimmage battle, it's maybe the most important element of this game because that will allow their offense to get going. And if Oregon's offense gets going in this game, JT, I don't think Utah has enough offense to keep up. Yeah, if Oregon can really control the game, run the ball, and I mean, especially if Oregon were to jump out to an early lead, that's where it could get interesting for Utah since, look, Bryson Barnes has done some nice things. I will continue to say it. He is a game manager. There is a reason that Utah likes to take the ball out of his hands from time to time and give it to a Sione Vaki or a Jaquindon Jackson. But yeah, I totally agree with you. The battle I'm excited to watch play out is that Oregon offensive line versus that Utah defensive line. When you're talking about the Utah D-line, you're talking about three defensive ends who can rush the passer. We all know about what Jonah Ellis has done this year. Connor O'Toole has been really strong since coming back from injury. Van Fillinger has as well. Those guys are able to apply that outside edge pressure. Then the defensive tackles. Junior Tafuna has had some of the best games of his career against the Oregon Ducks. And then you look at a guy in Keanu Kanovasa, too. He's come on really strong this season. Samote Peppa, Licky by Mahi, a couple of the other guys that will rotate in there. It's a very deep defensive line. So are those defensive tackles going to be able to hold up against the double teams? Your guys' starting center, Jackson Powers Johnson, actually played games inside of Rice Eccles Stadium and won a state championship there back in high school going to Corner Canyon High School. So I'm curious to see how he does against some beastly defensive tackles that Utah has. And what is kind of the plan for Jonah Ellis? He is one of the best pass rushers in college football right now. It's not even an opinion. It's a fact when you look at the number of sacks. And it's the way he's winning. The speed. He uses his hands well and gets some power mixed in there too. So I'm so excited to see this matchup play out. And it really is another one where I expect a back and forth game. If Utah wins this game, it's going to be very close to me. I can see Oregon winning by 10 plus. I can't see Utah doing that because I do think this Oregon team is that good. And that's why I think we are in for such an exciting showdown. And especially for those of us who love the action in the trenches. Yeah, I, I think the physical nature of this football game was on full display last year at Autzen Stadium. Oregon only mm-hmm. ran for, I think it was 57, 58 yards in that game. It was under 60, and they still managed to win in their best defensive effort 
of the year. And I think this is a better defensive unit for Oregon. And it's one of the reasons I am confident in the Ducks ability to win here, though. Certainly I, I won't be, you know, shocked and out absolutely just dumbstruck that, Oh my gosh, how did Utah win the game? Like, no, Kyle Whittingham is a great coach and mm-hmm. the defense is really good. And they know how to run the football and Oregon's run defense this year, I think has been a little hit and miss, but one thing that hasn't been hit and miss and has really just been a hit game after game after game this year for the Ducks has been Troy Franklin. And Troy Franklin last year was you know going up against Clark Phillips, as was the entire Oregon offense. He very nearly had a game-clinching pick six. Shout out to Cam McCormick for the tackle in that game, or else Oregon loses, and, and Phillips has the, has the clincher there. But when I look at this Utah secondary, you know, Cole Bishop is the guy that stands out the most, but you know that Troy Franklin's the number one target. It's pretty clear. He has 16 more catches than the number two uh, target on the Ducks. That's Tez Johnson this season. So who matches up with Troy Franklin, and how do you feel about that matchup for the Utes? I think it'll be a lot of Zamaya Vaughn, but I think they feel comp- confident in Miles Battle, JT Broughton, these other corners who have done a good job all season long on elite receivers. Once, like Brendan Rice made a couple of grabs last week, but for his overall standard, I felt like he was pretty quiet. And that's a lot of credit to the way that Vaughn played, who really is rounding into form as the kind of elite corner on this Utah defense. So him and Franklin going to be a great battle. I can already see the plays where Troy Franklin brings in the contested catch. I can also see the one where Zamaya Vaughn gets a little physical. Troy Franklin's mad. He didn't get a flag. And then he's walking off to the sideline. That's the kind of night we're in. For and then a late flag comes in from the back judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of night we're in for at so many different matchups on the field but i think vaughn is the main guy to watch out in that regard too but um look i think we've done a really good job talking about how this utah defense then matches up with the oregon offense but this is really going to come down to the utah offense in so many ways because once again i do expect utah to force some punts i don't expect bo Nix to throw for over 400 yards inside rice Eccles stadium quarterbacks just don't do that so to me, I think Utah will have some success running the ball. They have their offensive line coming together a little bit. I like Oregon's front seven, too. Another back-and-forth battle to me. Can Bryson Barnes make the throws given the opportunities? That's what's going to be very interesting to see. When everything is works for him, the offensive line executes, receivers are getting open, he can sometimes make those throws, also miss them. But it's the reason Utah has been successful recently. So can Bryson make enough plays with not just his arm, but his legs? As we saw, he made the biggest play of the game with his legs a week ago to let Utah win this game because I still think the defense is going to do enough to put Utah in a position to nab a victory here. Yeah, and I I think Bryson Barnes has a lot of comparisons to Tyler Shuck, who Oregon played at Texas Tech on the road earlier. Again, hostile environment, not a guy who's going to light it up. I think Shuck Mm -hmm. has got more talent uh, than Barnes. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit better runner, a little bit better arm, but stylistically, they look very much the same, and Barnes is involved in, in the running game. They showed that last week. He's got that scramble ability in Oregon has had their ups and downs. I I don't think it's all been downs, but certainly it feels 60-40 in the negative for the Ducks, containing quarterbacks from getting outside the pocket. That was certainly the case last week with Cam Ward, who they were still able to sack six times. So I I think that Oregon's defensive line will have the opportunity to get after Bryson Barnes, who's been under pressure a few times this year, but he showed that that, that he's pretty darn uh, nifty. By, By the way, just... A thought that I had, in case you're wondering where my head is at when we record these podcasts, you and I should be like on a Christmas card with our color scheme right now. Because you've got the Utah red (laughs) and I've got the, you know, Apple Christmas green here for those listening on on, on podcasts. (laughs) I was literally just sitting here listening to you talk and then I looked at him and 
you know, it's not even November yet. So I'm kind of against saying the word Christmas before we hit Thanksgiving at this at this point in time. But we really do have the Christmas colors covered in a, in a big, big way here. And we've got you all covered as well uh, with everything that you need to know. couple more players you got to know about on both sides of the ball. If you like any individual players in this game to go over or under a particular stat total, prize picks is the way to go. The largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So if you like anybody in particular in this game, go check them out at prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, JT, let's uh, wrap up a couple things before we get to our game predictions for the game of the week in uh, college football. I, I think Bryson Barnes' story is fantastic, and I know everyone is riding high about him right now, and I think he has played well the last couple of weeks, and the Utah offense has, has found something. I'm going to go out on a big, big time, and I mean razor-thin limb here, and say that Oregon's defense more closely resembles Oregon State and UCLA than it does USC and Cal. And I can think two things at once. Oregon's defense is a lot better than what the Utah offense has seen in the last couple of weeks. And Utah's offense is better than what they were in those two matchups uh, with the Beavs, where Nate Johnson started and against UCLA, where I think Nate Johnson also started. And Utah only registered seven offensive points in that game at home. <laughs> right. My concern on the Utah side of things and a plus for, for Oregon is there was a point in time this year for a reason in which Utah felt Nate Johnson gave them a better chance to win the football game. And it's because though Bryson Barnes has a floor that is obviously high enough to win college football games against power five opponents. He's never lost a game in which he has started. As a matter of fact, there's clearly a ceiling. And I think he's going to hit that ceiling this week against Oregon because I like their front four. I like getting Justin Jacobs back at the linebacker position. If Oregon takes away, and this is another reason I'm confident in the Ducks, if Oregon takes away the Utes ground game, they're going to struggle to move the football. If Utah takes away Oregon's ground game, they can still move the football because you've got Bo Nix, you've got Troy Franklin, and a bunch of other weapons. And I think Will Stein has done a nice job getting everybody involved in the passing game this season. Uh, Bucky Irving and Terrence Ferguson are the number three and four receivers on, on this Oregon team. What do you think of my scorching hot takes there? Unfortunately, you are correct. It's going to be hard for Utah to move the ball if they get in those third and long situations. But I do think they have the buys up front to make it second and manageable. And this is a Utah team that will run it on second and long. So maybe they can make it third and manageable. Satawa so Lao man, man in the right tackle spot. 
uh, Coley, the new center for Utah, has come in the last two games, really stabilized thing on the offensive line. And I think you're right. This is a tougher test for them in a defensive front. But I think what's also nice for this Utah team is they've been trending in the right direction and just playing better, where I think they're ready for the task here. You have backs in Jaquindon Jackson, and especially with what Sione Vaki is showing right now, that who can break those tackles in those situations and get those extra yards. So I do think Utah will still have some success running the ball, but they're probably going to have also their own three and outs after because they'll suffer a tackle for loss, and then we'll see what Bryson can do there. Oregon has had the ball moved on them through the air so far this season. Now, the problem for Utah, if you look back at the Washington State game, was Cam Ward made some incredible throws in that game. Yeah. Throws that, throws that Bryson <laughs> Barnes awesome throws. Bryson Barnes has made, will every game make one to two throws, more usually just one, that you're like, wow, that was a really good throw, like a deep throw. But outside of that, he is pretty quiet. So the really, to me, it falls on the receivers to get open. A Devon Vele, can he bring in some contested catches in this one? Can Money Parks or Muneer McClain, one of those guys, break free just once? Mikey Matthews over the middle of the field. How's Landon King going to do in this game? Bryson has to take care of the football. That pick six was disastrous for Utah a week ago. I don't expect him to throw a pick six at home. I mean, yes, I wouldn't be surprised if he threw an interception because this is a good Oregon defense, but I, I think Utah does have the guys who are capable of winning at times against Oregon. This game is going to fall on the Utah defense. They have to step up and they have to give Oregon their worst offensive game of the season, something that is very possible because it's what they've done to almost every single team they've played so far this year, with the exception of that being USC, because of just how bad they looked against Notre Dame, if we're being honest when it comes to that one. So I'm excited for the opportunity that Bryson has here. You mentioned he hasn't lost a start. This will be the toughest one that he has had because yet Utah is, is a bad matchup for USC and they've had the Trojans number. Oregon beat them last year. Oregon matches up with Utah very well from a physical standpoint. So how many different creative things can Andy Ludwig try to do to beat Dan Lanning's defense? And it's going to be interesting to see. One thing that's crazy is even if Bryson struggles in this game, I don't expect him to throw as many interceptions as Cam Rising did in this game a year ago because that was the worst game I've ever seen Cam play. So it's nice that uh, Bryson is in a position where he just has to manage the game, won't be too much on his shoulders, and uh, a name to watch for. We brought him up a couple times now, but Sione Vaki in the ground game and the passing attack for Utah has really emerged. A former safety who switched to the offensive side, still plays a little on defense. One of the best athletes in college football right now. And for the last two weeks has been the best two-way player in the Pac-12. If a nice subtle shot at Travis Hunter, I dig it. Um, I, I mean, he's coming back off, off of an injury, but he also kind of yeah. got torched against, against Stanford. And they're asking him to yeah. do more than he, I think, is capable of right now. And Vaki yeah. is like you said, carving out this wonderful role for the Utes that is clearly effective and, and explosive. He's the wildcat guy. He's hand the ball off to him, throw it to him out of the backfield uh, as well. Last thing before we make our uh, predictions, JT, just a, a thought and then a question for you. I think there's only one way that Utah wins this football game. If this becomes a shootout, it's advantage Oregon all the way. The, the one way that Utah wins, though, is they're able to run the football, Keep Bonex on the sideline, make Oregon kick field goals. The red zone offense, I think, has been good overall on the season. The numbers reflect that. Has not always been perfect. So I think that that's the formula for the Utes. And if they get away from any of those things, if they can't hold Oregon to field goals, if they can't run the football, I think they struggle there. One other thing, though, is the Utah offensive line in the run blocking department has been very good. They've had an injury or two up front, I know. How do you feel about them in the pass blocking department because Oregon this season has been much, much better getting after the quarterback as a team, having compiled 25 sacks through seven games this season, including none in week one. 
You're correct. They run block better than they pass block. But I even thought last week was a step in the right direction for them. I also expect some of the guys like Satawa Laumea, he didn't play his best game at USC. Still was solid, but not his best game. I expect guys like him to play better at home and in pass protection. The left tackle spot, still the one to watch for for Utah. I thought Tongai, who came in for the injured Spencer Fano last week, played really well, honestly. And uh, since the new players emerged for them at center in Coley, who they've swapped out Jaron Kump for, I I think they've they've looked better overall. But Look, earlier in the season, this Utah did struggle with blitz pickup at times. Will that be fixed going forward? I think it'll be better, but there will probably be times still where a blitz gets home. USC got home a few times too. So that's kind of goes back to what I talked about where I do think Oregon like sacks Bryson Barnes once or twice in this game. I think there are negative plays where Utah has to punt it away offensively because the Oregon defense does have guys on it as well. It's just if you're Utah, can you limit those negative plays? And Spencer, you brought up how you thought there was really only one way for Utah to win this game. I'll add another. I think if Utah wins the turnover battle, I expect them to win this game. If they're able to force the those fumbles if they're able to get an interception on Bo Nix that's where I think you give this offense a short field that will be the other area and opportunity that Utah can capitalize Utah just continues to find new ways to win and I'm excited and I'm excited and hopeful that they're going to continue to find that this coming Saturday when the game of the college football season in town in Salt Lake yeah and Oregon has only turned it over once this season it was an inconsequential interception against Colorado other than that They've been the best in the country protecting yeah. the football this year. So they have to do what Oregon has not done this year, and that's uh, force the Ducks offense uh, into some giveaways. Last stat before we each make our game predictions. Last two weeks, Utes offense, 34 points per game. Opponents have registered just one sack. That was USC. The two weeks prior when the offense managed one touchdown each week, Utah surrendered four sacks in each of those games. I think pressuring Bryson Barnes, with Jordan Birch and Brandon Dorless and Mateo Uyunglele, and they've had a lot of guys contribute to that 25 number of uh, of sacks this season. I think that's going to be a big thing here. I'll start with with my prediction, JT. Oregon favored, according to our friends at FanDuel, by a six and a half points. I like Oregon to win. I like Oregon to cover as yeah. well. I think Utah will have maybe some early success on the ground, but Oregon's defensive adjustments have been really good whether that's you know adjusting to stop the run or adjusting to stop the pass. And I think they load up the box. I think Justin Jacobs, the linebacker, is, is a difference maker in, in that regard. And that unit has played well as a whole. I like this Oregon defense. The offense is rolling. It'll probably be Oregon's you know most sluggish offensive performance of the season. Duck fans should be prepared for that. It's not going to look even like it did against Washington State with big chunk plays and moving down the field and just not quite scoring it's going to be a lot harder across the board. You're not going to run for you know 250 yards. No one's even hit 150 against Utah in this game. I think Oregon's still capable of getting around 200, but I don't know if they could get you know 250, 260. I think Oregon kicks a late field goal to cover the spread, and they win the game 31 to 20 and end the Utes' home winning streak that goes back to 2018. Spencer, you know college game days in town, right? I do. I do indeed know that college game day is Those favorite things to say is not so fast, my friend, because (laughs) the Utah Utes will find a way to win this game once again with all eyeballs on them. This Utah team has continued to do it. Betting against Kyle Whittingham has been a bad business and not one I want to get into in this matchup, especially betting against him at home. I think when you're looking at Utah, I think the difference is the turnovers. I think they will be able to force two turnovers in this game, whether it's a strip sack from Jonah Ellis or a late interception. That's where I think Utah comes up 
huge because their offense will stall at times, but they'll be able to capitalize on those short fields. I think Bryson Barnes once again makes just enough throws. I think Jaquindon Jackson has a strong day on the ground, grinding out some tough yards against a physical Oregon defense. And I actually, you mentioned the late field goal to cover what you felt like for Oregon. I actually think for Utah, it's going to be a late field goal that lifts them to a victory. Give me Utah 28. Oregon 27 as they continue to stay undefeated at Rice-Eccles Stadium since 2018. 28-27 for JT, 31 to 20. We both think our team is going to win. Maybe we'll just have just have to come back next week one way or the other in our Christmas colored attire. JT which still of Locked on Utes. This has been an episode of Locked on Ducks crossover edition. JT, appreciate it, man. Looking forward to what should be an awesome football game in an awesome environment at Rice-Eccles. Be a lot of fun. Always fun doing these with you, Spencer. To all my Oregon people, appreciate you listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.